The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. It's no longer football season, but that doesn't mean it's the off season. There's no such thing. This thing keeps rolling on at an endless pace, sir. I know. It's like, didn't we used to have an off season? Now it's like the NFL said, we're not doing that anymore. It's, it, it's funny. I, I talked about this recently. When we get into, you know, when I got into this as a business back in the year of our Lord, 1993, this was the time of year I used to get ahead and become an expert, right? I was... The only, you know, there were a handful of us working, you know, year round on this. And now the NFL with its, uh, in its infinite wisdom or greed or however you want to see it, uh, maybe they're both the same, uh, has turned this uh, into a 365 day a year reality show. And, uh, and we, were, we all benefit from it. There's an endless, endless amount of grist for our mill. The, the things we could talk about about 1993. Wow. Okay. But yeah, All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. We, we won't go there. Let's get the ball rolling. So there have been some newsy little tidbits this week. Lamar Jackson, you know, I, I kind of felt like all along that I was with John Harbaugh, 200% certain he would be back with the Ravens. Uh, now I'm less certain. I talked to a reporter, a local reporter there, Gabby DePaula from WBAL, who kind of was in the same camp as me. She was pretty certain up until a few weeks ago. Now she is much less certain that Lamar Jackson will remain a Raven. So let's see where you're at. Lamar Jackson, the possibility of him being traded. Feel it or fuck it. Uh, 20%. So fuck it. Because I think that at the end of the day, it, it kind of blends in with Todd Munkin coming there. Um, Todd Munkin is a versatile head coach, um, offensive coordinator, who I think will be able to leverage what Lamar Jackson does well. And seriously, are you, you really going to trade him for Tua Tungavailoa? I mean, like, I like Tua Tungavailoa. I think that... He had a nice season, but you still have to manufacture with him, and now you're having to start from scratch. You know what you've got in Lamar Jackson. It's just about make, being a little bit more creative with him and helping and getting healthy. I mean, this team behind the scenes has got to be saying, through all the other stuff the media is doing, is our offensive line hasn't been healthy for two years, our receivers haven't been fully healthy for two years, and our running backs haven't been healthy for for two years and then Lamar's had to suffer the brunt of that and he hasn't been healthy fully for right. two years and I think it's not because he's been running so much but it's because they, they the, the rest of the team hasn't been healthy he's gotten beaten up a little bit so to, to me I, I don't th I think if anything this is a much ado about nothing yeah so a lot of times this is true right the public portion of negotiations are always the more contentious Parts. You know, there's people out there trying to, you know, sway public opinion, do things. And, and, and just in general, we, we've heard they're like $100 million apart on the contract negotiation. So this is part of the negotiation. I feel like they'll tag him if they don't get a long-term deal done. Maybe they use the non-exclusive tag on him, though, and open the door to two first-round picks. Would that be too steep a price to pay for a team out there for Lamar Jackson? I don't think so, but I think the um, perception will be as such because – that he wasn't valued highly in the draft. It took a it took a team like the Ravens to have a little vision and wait until the end of the first round to take him, even though he was probably the best quarterback of that 
of that class or one of the the two best quarterbacks of that class. So I I think that that's one of those situations that you're still going to have teams with a mentality that they that that they had to begin with is that they didn't see him as a real quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think that there that will probably be part of the problem. Now about beating the money being far apart, that's also always going to be a story because the the media is going to key on the fact that he represents himself essentially, and so they're always going to play that up because that's an unusual story and it's easy fodder for criticism. So if you can start to poke. Even if you're not talking directly about that, you can talk around it by creating, okay, well, they're, they're far apart on their deal. Um, how often are teams that far apart on deals with big-time players? I would imagine uh, fairly often. So this, to me, again, this is, this is um, you know, buzzy-sounding news that really is non-news. Yeah, I, I want to say that, you know, the Deshaun Watson signing the fully guaranteed contract Look, if the Browns forced the, the Ravens to move on from Lamar Jackson, uh, that's some 40 chess there. But but also, we've seen a big contract. Uh, Kyler Murray's contract wasn't fully guaranteed. So we'll see where they fall somewhere in the middle of this. I, I'm still leaning 98% Lamar Jackson is back as a Baltimore Raven and fuck all the noise. But the noise is going to be persistent. Prepare yourself, people. Todd Munkin, you mentioned the new coordinator comes over from uh, most recently with the Georgia Bulldogs. Very productive offense. Ran a lot of the year twelve personnel, which seems to suit the uh, Ravens right now. Maybe that's a maybe you should get a wide receiver, Baltimore. Uh, that that's a, that's an aside. Um, Todd Munkin, you're you know I know you mentioned him in passing there, just in general, uh, feeling him as the offensive coordinator here. Oh, totally feeling him, and you know as a as a Browns fan, as someone who worked at the University of Georgia and has seen him during all the you know both those iterations. You know, the best thing about Todd Munkin is that versatility to be able to work with the talent that's on that offense. Um, And so it's not necessarily, you know, you're going to hear a lot of people say, well, get a new wide receiver. They need to revamp their wide receiver court. Yeah, they're going to need to continue to add talent to that wide receiver court. But Rashad Bateman started off like a house of fire. And I don't think, you know, once he gets healthy and he's ready to go, I think that's going to be just fine. Um, you, You know, they can add... They, they're going to need to add another talent in that respect. But again, they do have three capable tight ends. They drafted two of them last year in um, Charlie Kolar and Isaiah Likely, who was the one that made a bigger splash because Kolar, I believe, was hurt. Um, so uh, along with Andrews, that's fine. Here's the other thing, too. This team's going to continue to run the football. Todd Munkin understands how to run the football. And one thing that his offenses always do is throw the ball to their running backs. And there's a guy by the name of J.K. Dobbins that, um, you know, I'm still on that train. I still think he is one of the two best backs in that draft class that he came mm-hmm. out of. And he started to show it last year. I think he'll be a, a, a little faster this year coming back fully, you know, not having to deal with two surgical repairs in the in a span of a year, I think you're going to see a, a player who's going to have a full offseason to train and is going to look great. And if I, I would draft him, I know I'm not going to get him as a running back one. Um, I'm going to get him as a running back two, and I'm going to end up with two running backs ones if I make a wise choice in the first round with whoever else I'm taking because um, that's how good he is. So Munkin, to me, with this team – He's going to take the existing talent and work with it. And, th- and that just means that Lamar Jackson, you know, you may people may go, well, 
they're not throwing the ball as much downfield as we thought with Munkin. You know, if it doesn't work out, they're going to blame Munkin and say, or that this team hasn't been creative enough with Jackson. But Jackson has limitations as a thrower. He's good and he's great in the middle of the field. He's not great on the um, on the perimeter. That's why the strength of their offense has been the running backs and the tight ends, and 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 wide receivers who can work over the middle. So, if Munkin can be a little bit more creative and that Jackson meshes with that well, then I think Jackson can be you know top five mm-hmm. to seven fantasy quarterback. But it's not something that I don't think he's going to revolutionize this offense the way people are are thinking. Right. The great thing about February is the optimism of the unknown. There's a lot of moving pieces here, a lot of things we don't know. We can tell ourselves some pretty happy stories, which I am telling myself. By the way, I've seen J.K. Dobbins go in, uh, in one of the more relevant industry mocks I've been in is like running back 19. So I, I think that's kind of around the fourth, fifth round. Yeah, I think. And by the way, Todd Munkin, I'm sure you know this, but try getting the ball in space. Seems to work well. All right. Uh, so one of the best stories of the week, uh, you know, Bob again appeared on Tyler uh, Dunn's podcast to go long TD. Uh, and he's been a longtime Packers reporter, has covered the team for a thousand years or so. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but a long time. You get the idea. And basically, he told uh, Tyler Dunn uh, that uh, the Packers have had enough of Aaron Rodgers' nonsense. In fact, the quote is they are done with Rodgers. McGinn said, citing his own instincts, his knowledge of the league, and discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge of the Packers. He went on to say, He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him. They're done with him. And they're moving on. Uh, All right, Matt Waldman. Feel that or fuck it? Oh, fuck it. I mean, like, they're maybe done with him, but the disgusted part. And let's just go back. Like, Bob McGinn, obviously, you know, when you spend 40 years being a beat writer, um, certainly you... You understand all the angles of how to play things, and and he's and he's probably someone that would be a go-to source in that on that level of what it's like to be a beat writer for a team. At the same time, you know, when I think of the frame of reference of Bob McGinn, every year he's the one who gets who does the salacious, you know, scout rumors, you know, that, that do the most ridiculous have the most ridiculous takes that everyone loves to hate. You know, to just show how ignorant things really are. And But here's the thing. When you are asking scouts and you're getting that ridiculousness every year, and of course it's it's anonymous. You become a conduit for, for, uh, for smoke screens. Yes, right? you become a conduit for smoke screens or you're the guy who basically his sources are ridic- are the ridiculous people in the league that people know are the talker, so they feed them the BS. So there's that. He's also been retired for a few years, yes. and Tyler Dunn does great work, and, it's not- and having someone like Bob McGinn and his contacts are great, but Bob seems to talk a lot about leveraging his contacts and how he's been doing this for a long time and how all these things, and it just feels a little bit more like Hey, look at me. Um, and, you know, I understand that Aaron Rodgers is probably, the Packers are probably 
tiring of the will he or won't he or does he or doesn't he or does he do we want him or not there that's what it's like at the end of these work relationships it's always this way you get this farm brett yes exactly (laughs) you get these back and forth see joe montana 49ers i mean with steve young it was that way so i I think rogers obviously has there's issues with him but I think part of it is that he's just a different guy. He's always been kind of a different guy. You know, Ryan Riddle used told me that when they first played with Aaron Rodgers, that like, you know, that Rodgers, after a loss, like just basically they had to like practically break into his dorm room because he was just inconsolable, you know, and they and and that he was a really sensitive guy and that they liked him, you know, and they knew he would eventually be good, but like, you know, there's growth and things, you know, people have growth. People, all people have emotions, even top competitors who are told as quarterbacks that they're not allowed to show that. And we as a media love to exploit all that stuff. So I don't think we truly understand what's going on there. But for those of you who just love to hate on people, then go ahead and keep hating on Aaron Rodgers. He's going to give you more. He's going to give you all that fodder to do that so- with. So I feel like this is a story that, you know, more like I want to believe it just because I'm here for the drama, right? Right. I, mean, I, I would love for this to be totally true. Also, I think it does seem to be a bit hyperbolic. The old disgusting, disgusted part seems. But I can see them, you know, being tired of, you know, the uncertainty. Sure. And, and look, you know, organizationally, the memory of Brett Favre, you know, the back and forth with him. And maybe they've learned lessons from that as an organization that, hey, once it's time, it's time. Let's just move on. Uh, he mentioned, again, mentioned that, you know, this is not just a single person, but this is from the CEO, Mark Murphy, Brian Gutenkunst, the GM, the Matt LaFleur, the head coach. They're all kind of tired of this whole routine. So we'll see. But the other portion of this, and, and so I'm going to say that, that they're done with him. I'm kind of feeling it. I kind of, well, rephrase that. I kind of feel like both sides are done with this, yes. uh, right? Yeah. And, and, and the, that a party is coming and we'll just see how it works out. Uh, that it's going to be a big contentious, you know, somebody hates somebody thing. I don't know about that, yeah. but we'll see. Um, <clears throat> the other portion of this story, though, and it's you know, kind of goes hat in hand with this, is is the uh, is that the Packers are all in on Jordan Love, which obviously, what else are they going to say if they think they're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers? But I saw, I've also heard this, you know, independently <clears throat> from various reporters that cover the team closely that that they're pretty pleased with where Jordan Love is. Uh, so the question to you, Matt. I'm feeling it right now from the standpoint that he's gotten enough years to sit and watch and get some intermittent playing time that we can look at him as a new prospect. You know, if they were going to force him in a la Zach Wilson, then I would have felt the same way. I did feel the same way about Jordan Love as I did about Zach Wilson, um, which was, you know, but that's a, but that was Jordan Love as a rookie who, you know, didn't have a forced throw that he didn't love. Um, so, you know, Jordan loves forced throws was pretty much like his, really his full name. But now I think that you've got, he's had a chance to really watch uh, a, an excellent quarterback and have years where he could, you know, just get enough playing time that we can look at it as maybe a, a clean slate and say maybe he's not the same player he was in college and if and so i'm open to giving him a chance 
to prove that as a say a fantasy GM um, as my second quarterback maybe that I draft if I draft a stud and I just go let me just take a chance on someone who has the has the surrounding talent to be really good but I don't have to lean on him you know unless there's a you know catastrophe in in front so where you are where you with jordan love i'm semi-skeptical but I, i'm open semi-skeptical but open-minded right uh, yeah. you know look opportunity is the first ingredient here and if he gets that opportunity i'll have a great deal of interest because i think matt lafleur does a pretty good job with that offense or has over the course of his time there so and there's some pretty good pieces around him still i mean they just you know retained aaron jones and they have aj dillon so a strong rushing attack which i think Matt LaFleur has wanted to do, but maybe that's part of the struggle is, you know, he's running Aaron, the, the offense that suits Aaron Rodgers, not that suits him ideally. So we'll see. I'm, I'm not totally out on this. I'm, I'm kind of feeling it. Yeah, I think, I think the best way to sum this up is that Jordan Love pre-draft was what all the detractors of Patrick Mahomes thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be. That's what that's who Jordan Love that's who Jordan Love was. We'll find out who he is now. He's an I, I'm going to get you know skeptical but cautiously optimistic that he's yeah that he could be better. So uh, Derek Carr unemployed right now, Matt. You'll be surprised to learn uh, the Raiders <laughs> decided to move on rather than uh, owe him that forty million guarantee. And shove it. And uh, yeah, he you know there was trade talks with the Saints went nowhere as and nobody should have thought they would because why would. Derek Carr let the Raiders dictate the terms of his next team when he determine them. So he's visited with the Saints, and that's not out of the you know out of the picture yet. Meanwhile, the New York Jets have quietly gone around and and acquired every assistant coach who's worked with all the top quarterbacks uh, available, including Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, uh, Todd Downing now with the Jets. Uh, I think there's another one as well. Um, Has worked with Carr. So uh, Derek Carr. Is his best landing spot the New York Jets? It is for him. I don't know if it is for the Jets, but I think it is for him because this team can run the ball um, even if they don't have, um, you know, the kid out of Iowa State completely healthy, Brees Hall. If they don't have Brees Hall completely healthy yet um, the beginning of the season, he'll eventually get there. And they still have solid runners who can help out in uh you know michael carter and zonovan knight um and they have a strong receiving core i mean they have they have good players there to to be able to support what Carr can do so play action game he's very good with play action um it's a type of a of an offense that i think that he can be competent at i don't the the upside is certainly pro bowl caliber production but i don't know if the offensive line is going to be able to help him support that as well as just a first-year transition with young players. Um, all of that's a lot. But I'll say this, the the Jets' offensive line can't be as bad as some of the years that the Raiders' offensive lines have been. So Carr, to me, is a safe bet um, for the Jets, and it's a great opportunity for him <clears throat> regard um, when you compare it to the other teams he's with. Well, so and I agree with all that, and I, and I think Derek Carr is is very good. I don't think he'll be confused for great. Maybe all you need is very good over an extended period. This, you know, Joe Douglas probably thinks he drafts pretty well, and according to the recent awards cycle, he does. And uh, Brees Hall adds to that. So, uh, so maybe they they feel like they're not like a great quarterback away, but just a, a competent 
viable quarterback away. And maybe that's a cheaper option and they can continue to build around him. So I think that's one way to look at this. Uh, do, do you think Do you think all these teams wait? You know, the quarterback carousel, there are fewer quarterbacks than there are chairs or open ponies on this ride. Um, do you think teams will be waiting? Would they be wise to wait to see what happens with Rodgers? Or if Derek Carr's out there and you think you can snag him, should you snag him? I think you probably try and snag Derek Carr just from the standpoint that with Rodgers, you're going to have to pay um, some draft picks. Um, and with and Carr, a lot can, of money. Yeah, with Carr, you can sign him immediately as a, <clears> as a free agent. So you're, you're at a situation where you also don't know whether Aaron Rodgers is going to play next year, whereas with Derek or in two years. Whereas Derek Carr, we expected him to play another three to five years. And I think yeah. with Rodgers, it's year to year. And that yeah. means that unless you're a top team Pushing or something. Super Bowl. Yeah, ready to go to the Super Bowl or you are you have something crazy happen and you can get him, you know, you know as a result or of Or Mark that. Davis is your owner. Yeah, that's true too, you know. But, you know, we'll <laughs> see how that goes. Uh, all right, so moving on. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, uh, now offensive coordinator and assistant head coach for the Washington Commanders, uh, moves on, had that year-to-year deal with the Chiefs for the last five years. Now he gets a five-year contract. Um, I think the widespread view is this job is a clearer path to uh, the head coaching role that he's missed out on all these years. Uh, feel that or fuck it. I think it's bullshit. That's what I think. Because if this, to me, was a total... Um, it, it's it's stupid. Like, if you think he's worthwhile being a head coach, make him a head coach. If you're worried about the criticism that people are going to give you because he's a black man that you don't want, that he hasn't gotten a head coach opportunity, now you're going to give him this soft soap assistant head coach or co-head coach <clears throat> offensive coordinator thing. And then if, and so then when... um you know when Rivera if Rivera gets fired then you don't think that they're just going to clean house with the whole staff and they're somehow dirt's not going to get on Bianami not the way this world works they're going to put dirt on Bianami whether he earned it or not um to to do that so for me this is kind of like putting somebody in a role where it looks good in name only but you're not really going to allow them to do the things that they are capable of doing you're basically putting a layer over them and it's just makes you it makes you think you look good to everybody by doing this so yeah i think it's bullshit and he's got to take it because he wants to be in the league he wants to be a head coach and this is the best opportunity that he was going to get right now but if you don't think he's thinking under his breath here we go again then i don't know what to tell you and i don't need to tell you you can go read up on that Many, many, many interviews, uh, many, many, many not getting hired, uh, whatever the excuses are, some of those excuses don't seem to match up. For instance, the lack of play calling experience uh, didn't seem to slow Doug Peterson's role or Matt Nagy's role or uh, many others. So, I don't know, Zach Taylor also, anyone who's worked for Sean McVay. So anyway, um, point well taken. I've, I'm kind of with it. Also, is this really a, a, a better job? I mean, if you're coming into uh, a team, the Washington Commanders, where Ron Rivera let go the last offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, well, I thought was doing a pretty good job given the talent at hand, especially <laughs> scheming up the wide receiver portions of that offense yeah. because you wanted a guy to, that, that runs the ball more. 
why are you bringing Eric Bieniemy and asking him to run an offense when you really know what the offense is you want to be run? Are you going to dictate that to him or let him be his own coach and bring in this West Coast scheme that Andy Reid's had such great success with over the course of time? Or do you say, run the ball? I don't know. The whole thing seems a bit hinky to me. Fuck it. Yeah, this is the Dunder Mifflin offense. That's what I would call it from the office. But again, <clears throat> Bob wouldn't know anything about that because he don't watch that show. I don't but even know what that show Yeah, is. you don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> Y'all all do, though, so that's okay. Get on with your bad selves. That's right. Uh, Shane Steichen uh, goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, much to the pleasure of many people who feared it would be Jeff Saturday. I didn't really care. I'm just here for the show. Um, <laughs> Shane Sykin, though, I believe the second straight uh, offensive coordinator coming off a of Super Bowl. Uh, the Colts have tabbed. They didn't like the last one. They let him go. His Frank, name was Frank Reich. Uh, did a pretty good job over the course of time, though. I, I thought with that offense, given the quarterback situations they dealt with, Matt, uh, you know, the sudden departure of Andrew Luck set that team back. Also set one of my dynasty teams back. I'm Never going to forget you, Andrew Luck. Uh, anyway, uh, so Chase Steichen comes in basically from the same kind of spot, right? Coming off a Super Bowl victory as the offensive coordinator of the Eagles. Also has some good experience working with young quarterbacks, most notably recently Jalen Hurts. Uh, prior to that, Justin Herbert during his stint with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, interestingly, you know, in the different teams or the different quarterbacks, he's, the, the offenses have taken different approaches. With Herbert, they threw the hell out of the ball. When they brought, were bringing Hurts along, they ran the hell out of the ball. Seems like he's kind of well-grounded in all the things he might need to be uh, to uh, help this team with its incoming, likely rookie quarterback, Shane Steichen. Feel him or fuck I feel him just as much as pretty much any other offensive coordinator who turns head coach or quarterback coach because really, in a lot of ways, quarterback coaches are – and the NFL are more in the role of get out of the way and don't get in the way of the guy being able to develop himself because that's generally what happens. It's more about scheme. It's more about scheme and game plan than it is about actual physical, um, physical, technical, conceptual development on a, on a level that really is going to advance a player. That happens with coaches off of the, uh, away from the team who may get to have some contact with the offensive coordinator or quarterback coach. So for me, what we want to know is, can Shen Steichen make tough decisions that only a head coach has to make? Can he be a front-facing figure for the media and not um, embarrass the, the team with what he does in that way? Can he make good decisions? Um, is he someone who is going to make the tough calls that you need him to make with personnel? Um, does he delegate well? Does he pick good people around him? Can he develop those people in a manner where he's not putting them under the bus, he's actually um, help, help guiding them along. We don't know. So the you know Philip Rivers likes him, thought that he he liked Shane Steichen, um, and had good things to say about him. Um, and you know that's a veteran football guy who comes from a head coaching family and maybe knows a little something about head coaches, <clears throat> even if he didn't you know finish his career the way he quite wanted to in Indianapolis has bitter memories of that of that experience or at least recently um so I'm neutral on it I'll feel so as a result of that I'm feeling it mm, that's like totally unenthusiastic endorsement by Matt Wall I think he wanted Jeff Saturday I spoken like a true Saturday fan hey well listen you know <laughs> it's mayonnaise or Mayonnaise. I don't know what you, you know, you tell me. Hellman's or Miracle Whip. 
Uh, we got another head coaching uh, slot. The last one filled the Arizona Cardinals with, with a defensive coach, the defensive coordinator of those same Eagles, uh, Jonathan Gannon. Uh, his initial first thing out of his mouth basically was, we're going to maximize Kyler Murray's talents further added to that, you know, saying we're not going to run him out in the shotgun every snap. Uh, he hired Browns quarterback coach Drew Petzing as his offensive coordinator. Uh, first of all, Murray's not going to be ready for like half a year, right? At the best. So we should get that out of the way. But what about this hire? Feel it or fuck it? Fuck it. I mean, I feel it for the standpoint of, you know, that I'm, I'm open to giving him a chance to do what it is that he's going to do as a head coach and learn to be a good head coach. But the statement of maximizing Cal Kyler Murray's talents, fuck that. Kyler Murray is still going to be the guy who that when pressure comes within a couple steps of him he's not going to make the efficient movement he's going to drop his head put the ball three yards behind his body and and make a michael vick like move and then try and buy seven seconds of time where his he's basically throwing his receivers and his offensive linemen under the bus unless he gets one big play and that'll show up on ESPN he'll make the NFL's top 100 and he'll have like enough plays so that they can fill their highlight clip and that the and that the athlete worthy um you know the the other athletes who when they say why is he good he's big he's strong he's fast ugh you know, when they do that kind of thing on the NFL Top 100 is their explanation for why someone's good because they're just as overly impressed with athletic ability and and don't understand technique as much as you would think. That's Kyler Murray to a T. So can he be a good fantasy player? Sure. Is it going to happen this year with half a year um, where he's probably going to be out and he's still going to be doing the same stuff because that's hard to get out of a guy? No, nah. Jonathan Gannon's going to say, um, we're going to maximize Kyler Murray. And then they're going to say, Kyler Murray's not agreeable. Kyler Murray's not really the type of team player he needs to be. Playing Call of Duty. Yeah, all of these types of things. And they're going to ship Kyler Murray's ass out when they can, or Kyler Murray's going to be a coach killer. Either way, I'm, you know, I'm okay with him in fantasy, but in reality, I, I don't want Kyler Murray on my team. Uh, Matt Waldman having a strong opinion on Kyler Murray. I'm feeling it. Uh, anybody else out there? Go ahead. <laughs> chime in in the comments if you will. Uh, so here's my portion of the program. Daniel Jones hour begins here. Uh, Daniel Jones changing his agents. Sounded like prior to this that maybe that, you know, they were kind of heading towards a 30 to 40, 35 million a year kind of three or year contract or something to give him a an extended chance now it sounds like you know his new agency will will be driving a little harder bargain and it sounds like entirely possible he'll get the franchise tag uh feeling daniel jones as a franchise tagged quarterback or saying fuck it yeah i'm feeling it because i think that what they want to do is they know they're negotiating with him and and barkley at the same time and as a result of that is whoever whoever they get the whoever takes the deal they offer that's great. The other one's going to get franchised. And so they're they're going to play together one more year. And I think with Jones, it makes sense for him to, if they don't like the, if the, if the Giants don't go for the, um, if he doesn't go for the deal that the Giants offer, then really this is a tryout for him. And he should understand after the first few years that where he was basically um, dog shit lit it up you know with a you know in a bag lit on fire outside the meadowlands that he's suddenly starting to play better that they they may not be feeling him as much 
um, despite the fact that they did put, you know, they put some Febreze over that after they like, you, you know, put this extinguisher on there. So, yeah, give him one more year, and then if the Giants don't want to give him a long-term deal, be, you know, after, in 2024, maybe he's played well enough for another team to feel good about him. Either way, he's going to have a career in the NFL. It just may not be as a starter if he doesn't follow up on it. And this is the pivotal year, and he should be realistic about that. He went to Duke after all. Those guys are pretty, um, I have to think they're somewhat realistic or, um, you know, about things. Maybe they aren't because they did have an overly pretty campus and in private school and maybe they're overprivileged kids. I don't know. I yeah, you can tell I'm married to a Carolina girl. So, um, but and I've been uh, at Dick's campus. But Chase, yeah. Chase Daniels, the investment banker, would tell you that yes, you can have a career even as not a starter in the NFL and do pretty well. Right. Um, so so uh, so I I do think you know I've talked to people just as recently as this week, Giant Insiders, Chris Pisignano, who's pretty well connected. Uh, he says you know for sure Jones gets the tag. Asked him also, so I'm feeling it. Look, I feel like you know I feel Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm I know you do. Hard. I want him to succeed. Um, as an early adopter, a too early adopter, who wished he hadn't. I'm now wishing I hadn't got off the bandwagon because like I look like I'm hopping on, hopping off, hopping on. <laughs> Alternately, uh, anyway, uh, I do believe in good coaching though, and I think Brian Dable, who, if I'm yes. not mistaken, was the NFL Coach of the Year. Something um, that aside, either way, I mean, whether accolades aside. He does a pretty good job with quarterbacks, it turns out, who come in, maybe don't have the the best skill set, and he seems to be able to hone them. So I'm feeling that, if nothing else, and I think he's worth, Daniel Jones has shown he's worth putting some effort into. So that brings yeah. us to uh, Barkley. Uh, so you think he's going to stick around. So Barkley's sticking around if Jones gets the, it gets the tag. Yeah, because I'll be able to offer him enough money to do so. Um, and he understands the surrounding environment that he's with unless another team offers him a, a, a comparable deal with a better offense and a better quarterback to play with but i just don't think that's going to happen i think i think that a lot of teams aren't willing to break the bank on a running back and um the teams that might have been interested in doing so already got christian mccaffrey so why are they going to go after a guy like saquon barkley so Barkley doesn't have many options in that regard. I think he's going to stay there and and essentially play out his career there. I have been told that he did turn down $12 million last year at the bye week and the recent reports of $14 million not online. I don't know if he's going to get that. I don't know if anyone's going to pay him that. Maybe someone would, but has a lot of money. But uh, I feel both of them uh, back with this team for another season under Brian Dable, and I'm feeling that for sure. Okay, one last one. Let's go off the charts here. We're not going to be here next week. I'm going to be away. Uh, and it's also the NFL Scouting Combine, which I know is Matt Waldman's favorite week of the year. Uh, <laughs> I, so actually, I, I like it for the first two days when every GM and coach speaks because there are things that are said there that will surprise you and will be totally true. Right there, there's a lot of, you know, just like we're planting our flags in early mock drafts and best balls, uh, some of these coaches and GMs get out in front of this and, and plant flags that kind of surprise you. So I like listening to that. Uh, I don't pay any attention to the rest of it, Matt Waldman. Uh, scouting Combine, feel it or fuck it? Um, I feel it as a networking event for people. Mm-hmm. I feel it for the um, high school lunch crowd media table who want to say that they've been there and take selfies. Um, I'm feeling it from the standpoint of the medicals for the injuries. Um, and I'm feeling it for the data that I can get 
after the workouts take place. But if you're going to catch me watching any of that, yeah, fuck that. I got things to do. All right. So so says Matt Waldman, and he knows a little bit. I got to feel the same. I'm not all that interested in the, in the day-to-day uh, watchings and drills and whatnot. But, uh, but I like all the information afterwards. And I love reading what everyone says about it because I don't know if they're all right. Yeah, it's a, it's always a fascinating. Th- it's always fascinating to see what the takeaways are with it. For that's for sure. Um, but it's an experience that I may have to go to one day just to say that I've done it. Maybe in about five to seven years, I'll have some time freed up where I start, where I go. I apparently a chief, a chief scout says that I that that if I get there, that I'm going to get a hug. So we'll see. Ah! If that, we'll see if that's the case. I I need my hug from the chief scout. So we'll see. And you'll see how many uh, GMs are carrying around their copy of the RSP. Which you can get. Yeah, you can get at MountWaldman.com. Pre-order for twenty one ninety five. Available April one. Knock on wood. It has been for for the past seventeen years. Should be for number eighteen, unless it decides to have a house party. Um, at you know while I'm away, but I'm not away right now. I got a watchdog now, so we'll see. <laughs> I'm I'm about to have a cat versus dog issue right at my very feet this moment. So we're going to call this a wrap. Again, we'll be away next week. Uh, Back in two weeks. We'll catch you then, Matt. Love you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye.